Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are a nation of dairy lovers. Not only does it taste great, but the nutritional benefits are plentiful. So it's no wonder that it's been a staple for thousands of years. Now, Yo Valley is reverting back to those historical methods, giving us the creamiest yogurt yet. Their super thick curned yogurt uses heat and live cultures, which invites them to grow before being curned until it becomes deliciously velvety. And that's what gives us that wonderful rich yogurt, which is perfect for breakfast and desserts. Lovingly made in Somerset, Yo Valley's super thick curned natural yogurt is high in protein, low in sugar, and it's available in 5% and 0% fat. If you want to find out more, head on over to yovalley.co.uk and you can find it in your local supermarket. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, a simple way to eat well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'm so lucky to be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with the trusted expert advice. Any parent will tell you that having children changes your life forever in ways that are big and ways that are small. Not only does becoming a parent change your goals and your priorities, it it affects even the smallest everyday tasks like taking a shower, for instance. And whilst being a mother is the most precious gift, the reality of motherhood is also undeniably exhausting. This week's Food for Thought sees Dr. Poonam Krishan and I explore the unspoken postpartum truths of early motherhood. Hello, Poonam. Hello. We made it, didn't we? We made a time that worked with our little ones. I know, just about. Because <laughs> I think having a baby, it, it can be difficult at the best of times, but you were like me. We both had lockdown bubbers, um, and I know this is your second. It, it's been a particularly challenging time, hasn't it? Oh, it's been it's been something else, hasn't it? Um, something that actually I think for for many many decades we'll be unpacking. Yeah, a hundred percent. I know we've spoken before, and you've been so kind reaching out to me when I had Zachary, and it's definitely something um, that obviously nobody anticipated. But being a first time mum is so hard emotionally and physically. Because there are just so many things, aren't there, going on for us at that point in time once we've we've just freshly got our little one with us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I remember it even from the first time. My son is now seven years old. So actually, I'd say that we were at a point where I've almost forgotten what that new mum stage feels like. But it brings back all of the vulnerabilities. And actually, we don't talk about this enough of just 
how much of a vulnerable time becoming a new mum is. You expect it to be this incredible gush of perfection that just takes place after the baby's born. And the reality is very different. And at a time like what we've all gone through, where we've had very minimal support coming in, um, locked away from the outside world, it's been particularly challenging. Yeah, completely. I think I really struggled with, um, well, we both had hospital stays, didn't we, you and I, and being being without our partners was tough. And then it's the recovery aspect. So, I mean, we can obviously get to baby as well, but let, let's talk about a woman's body after birth, because that's something that so many people, I, I think they just kind of brush over. There's all these smiley, happy pictures of us with our babies. And of course, we're we're over the moon. But there's damage. I mean, I had a slight prolapse and your pelvic floor is destroyed. Um, could you could you go into a few of the things that women can expect? Yeah, afterwards? absolutely. I think this is it, is that every birth is so unique and is so different. Yet what we see in the textbooks, what we kind of hear about largely at those antenatal classes tends to be of what this ideal perfect birth should look like, where the reality for the majority of mums, and this is what I see in my capacity as a GP, is that there's a significant amount of trauma that's associated with it and that's normal you know your body is going through such a transformation even if it's you know in inverted commas a normal birth um there's a huge number of changes that take place and women typically can expect to have tears down below which are very debilitating and make you feel very vulnerable prolapses are very common our muscles in the abdomen can separate which causes a huge amount of issues with pain and recovery post um partum um and i mean these are just some of them but then for those that have had major abdominal surgery it's so under talked about we're just expected to leave the hospital and just get on with life as if nothing has happened when actually if you had broken your arm you would be resting for a period of six to eight weeks minimum yet after something that's so transformational on a physiological you know level we're expected to just get up and get on with it it's bizarre. I really find it bizarre. I remember speaking to someone in my antenatal group and they said the best thing you can do once you've had your baby is to stay in bed for a week. And I do believe that actually helped me being in the hospital bed, not being able to physically leave or move. But obviously it had its bad side effects on my mental health as well, but but actually physically for recovery, because knowing me and the pressures there are in society, I probably would have just said, oh, you know, I have to get out, I have to go to the shops, I have to do something. And you kind of force yourself, well, there's this subliminal pressure, isn't there, on women to just get on with it. Absolutely. And I think society's got a lot to play with it um, in terms of the whole birth aspect, right from a cellular level. There is massive shifts going on. Hormonally, there's a lot of shifts going on. And again, just dealing with that kind of almost traumatic side of the birth. And we, we don't speak about it enough. And this concept of rest is so important after you've gone through something as life changing as that. And not just on a physical level, but even on an emotional, mental level, you really need that time to recover and it's interesting you talk about rest because my culture we're Indian and there's a period of 40 days typically in our culture where mum is expected to essentially be on bed rest to recover whilst everybody else comes they bring her really nourishing rich foods that are designed to really facilitate that internal healing process um and I had that with my my first time, but this time, of course, all of that was missing because as mums, particularly in lockdown, we've had to do everything ourselves and just get on with it, um, which has been really challenging, hasn't it? Oh, it's, it's 
yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing that I can say is because Zachary is my first baby, I don't know any different, but mm. that maybe has been a good thing. But it, there's no denying that I've had breakdowns on multiple days and I've just been in floods of tears thinking I can't cope. I mean, it, it's impossible. Not only are you worried about your baby, of course, but you have just been through this huge event. And it's interesting you say in Indian culture that they get 40 days where the woman's pretty much looked after as well. Mm. Whereas I do feel in the UK, like the British kind of um, traditional thing is just, yeah, the mum has to continue as always and get on and do every single task and feed the baby and your recovery is not really thought about. As a doctor though, Mm. do you find that, you're more sensitive to that now in your clinic, in your line of work, because I do find that I hear a lot of women and myself included didn't have the best experience when we went for our checkup to talk about ourselves. Absolutely. You know, in medicine, we're not really taught about how to take care of of mothers after they've had the birth. It's very kind of, you know, you're led by the science, you, you do the whole problem assessing the problem what's the symptoms how's mum doing right check 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 and move on but actually when I had my first experience of being on the other side of that consultation table and finding myself feeling quite helpless I had a very traumatic birth with my first um, and had many complications physically emotionally mentally Um, and I remember that six-week check and just sitting there wanting to speak to my GP and and cry and say I'm really struggling but was so worried about feeling judged and I felt that it was just a very checklist that the doctor wants to go through and I swore at that time that I would never become that doctor because it is mums are seeking something more after they've had their baby they're trying to find their identity and that requires attention not just from friends and family but I think to a degree as health professionals we need to give a nod to that we need to say to mums that how are you feeling how are you coping and not that doesn't mean that there's something mentally wrong with you, but actually this whole fourth trimester, there it is a thing and we need to provide that support. And sometimes when it comes from a medical professional, it almost helps you um, accept that you're doing a great job and that you just need to be kind to yourself. Um, and I think that that's definitely shaped the way that I do my postnatal checks where mums very much are at the centre of that consultation because mm. babies are almost, it's like they're the easier bit of, of that six-week check. Um, mm. But checking in with how mum is doing um, on, a, on a physical, mental, emotional level, I think very much is the responsibility of a healthcare professional. Which, which is really lovely to hear. And I, I assume normally, because obviously we didn't get this again in COVID, but you have people come over and check on the baby. It's it's not so much the mum. So it is very lovely to hear you say that, actually. I'm sure anyone in your practice is very lucky to have you, have you, have you looking after them. Um, now, we do hear on the, the rather um, sensitive side, we hear a lot about postnatal depression and... I think it can be a very scary for women. You're, you're often told in antenatal groups, I remember, oh, when the milk comes in, that's when you'll have a really bad day or just start crying. Um, that didn't personally happen for me on that day, but could you go in and discuss a little bit for us postnatal depression and what to look out for? What are the signs that a partner perhaps or a friend can spot? 
Absolutely. I think it is something that's very under-talked about. It is given this umbrella term of postnatal depression, but actually there's so many other things to look out for. Um, I mean, we all know about the baby blues, but it's a real thing that affects the majority of women, which is in those first two weeks where actually the kindest thing anybody around that mum can do is continually check in and see how mum is feeling, where the hormones are all adjusting. Um, yes, there is the association with the milk coming down, but you know, you're learning to adapt to a new life and you're learning to adapt to feeding your baby which is more challenging than we give credit for so during that time it is normal I think just normalizing the the aftermath of having a baby is important that you know expect to feel tearful expect to feel sad expect to go through the highs and lows and mood swings and that is very normal um but beyond that you know two weeks beyond um, having baby, if you're finding that those those senses of um, feeling sad all the time, feeling quite despondent, feeling that you're not connecting with your baby or finding yourself overwhelmed all the time, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got postnatal depression, but they might little be cues that you want to speak to, whether it's your partner or your friend or your parent or you know, even your GP or health visitor, but it's about opening that conversation, knowing that you're not going to be judged, but the earlier you speak about it, the more um, support that you can get to deal with it. Mm, thank you. It, it is important that the support is is sought out or someone does identify that. And that does lead me on to asking you about what women can expect when they've, let's say they've just had their baby, because you hear a lot about preparing you for the birth itself, but what about the week after or two weeks after, not only do you still have a bump, you you look different, you feel different, you can be in a lot of painkillers. When do people know when the right time is to, I don't know, go home from hospital, for instance? Yeah, I think that very much depends on the type of birth experience that you've had and I guess um, it comes from twofold whether your obstetrician and midwives feel that you are ready to leave or whether you yourself are feeling comfortable to leave but one of the things that I always say that I felt was very much missing for me the first time round is that we put so much emphasis on preparing your hospital bag for when you're kind of coming back home and all the things that your baby needs after the birth. But actually what we don't prepare for is we don't prepare this almost like mental health toolkit, like this mental health self-care bag that we should have, which is really inclusive of when I'm ready to leave hospital, who's my support network outside? Who have I got on my WhatsApp group that are going to be my immediate go-tos that I've warned and said to them that, you know, expect me to text you at 3 a.m. when I'm panicking and I just need you to accept that I'm going to be like this um, and I think just being able to have that um, self-care package almost that you've prepared for you afterwards so that when you come home you've got some nice things for yourself that you're going to take out a little five seconds for yourself in those first few weeks um, where priority is given to something that connects you to your older identity because that is something that really um, I, I think just lulls you into kind of a, a sense of despair mm. I love I love that you mentioned a support network of friends because single-handedly without speaking to other friends or mums I would not have got through the yeah. the weeks afterwards that yeah. they get it they're going through it with you that or they've been there and yeah. if you like you mentioned losing your identity I only really started to film myself from around week 14 post-birth I think mm -hmm. I'd started to be like oh wow I'm actually I hadn't left I realized I hadn't left Zachary's side for 14 weeks not even for 
you know, quick trip outside the house because whenever I left the house, he was with me in the pram or in the sling. And suddenly going out by myself for the first time felt actually quite empowering. And just mm-hmm. recording these podcasts now, I know our babies are probably both asleep and we're, <laughs> we're trying to time this on nap time. So I'm hoping that not one of them wakes up, but we've got this. But there, there is a lot and the support is, is crucial. But if we go on to the baby now, because I know lots of people, of course, we need to cover information about the baby. Once they are born, what are the tests and the checks that need to that need to happen? Yeah, so once your baby's born, they would normally get a check from a paediatrician, um, which involves essentially doing a head-to-toe examination, checking what the baby weight is, checking the baby's feeding well. Um, they will be offered a hearing test and they will be offered um, their BCG uh, vaccination. Um, but essentially in those first um, few hours post-birth, it is just checking that baby is kind of settling is warm is feeding um and and that's kind of what happens in the hospital but then over the next kind of few weeks you will be invited down to the gp practice which is where i would kind of see my babies and mums together and at that point again it's doing a top to toe checking their eyes checking their um hearts making sure there's no murmurs you know their growth and development up until that point um, and ensure that baby is essentially just kind of thriving. That That's the kind of um, goal of, of that examination. And if there's anything that's kind of flagged up at that point, that's when we would want to either refer for further investigations. Yeah, of course, because things aren't always plain sailing. And we're talking about that's, a, you know, a healthy baby that's gone home from the hospital and things are fine, or, or, or if you've had a home birth. Now, thousands of babies do unfortunately go into the NICU each year. Um, and it's it's really a hard tough time for parents that are in that situation i can't even begin to imagine how terrifying it must be to be so helpless could you go in again and just maybe first of all explain what the nicu is and how long perhaps a child might need to be in there yeah uh, it is a very variable situation depending on the stage at which your baby was born and what sort of complications are facing but um, the neonatal intensive care unit is essentially where babies um, are having difficulties whether it is with their breathing whether it um, if they've come a little bit earlier than they were expected um, essentially anything that's requiring extra support for their health is where babies would, would would be going there and it is it's a very stressful scary time because of course when you're giving birth what you want is your baby to be put into your arms straight away and to hear that everything is is well with your baby so when they're taken away the trauma associated with you know your baby being in another unit away from you and um, requires a lot of support and often hospitals do have and a lot of patients don't know this but they do have services for um, psychologists that are on on site to be able to kind of help support um parents to to kind of adjust to that that situation yeah that's really good um that the people are there to help there are one thing I found very helpful when I was in the hospital is the well I say helpful it doesn't help with sleep but there's someone that comes in every four hours um you were offered psychological support someone to help you with feeding someone to check that everything's okay breathing the baby the hospital is full of incredible health professionals and the, the NHS are remarkable and we are extremely lucky to have them in this country for sure and um, now the list seems endless that mums may need after having the baby as well I remember having 
you know, this huge kind of long list of things I thought, right, I need to get the cot, I need to get the baby grows, but how many baby grows do you need? And should you get white actually, because it's going to be covered with poo stains? Are they actually pooey babies or sicky babies? You know, all these different kind of questions, how many toys do I need? Um, What would you say, this is quite hard, (laughs) is the essential list punum for mums like, I don't know, nursing brows or something post-birth? What is the list? (laughs) Do you know, actually, I'm going to change it up a little bit because I think that there are so many lists and all we need to do is literally turn to whether it's, you know, a supermarket is kind of offering these kind of lists available, social media is riddled with them. But I think one of the most amazing pieces of advice that I was given, and it was actually by my mum, and I remember this from the first time as well, which is actually all your baby really needs after birth is you. And we complicate it so much. We go out of our ways to to really meticulously organize those wardrobes. We, we get absolutely everything packed into those bags. And actually when baby arrives, you are one big mess of a human being and you're mm-hmm. trying to find things in your bag. And that actually all baby wants is baby wants to be comfortable right next to you. And I think that n- cherishing those moments is what I think that we need to be doing more of, whereas we actually clutter it with a lot of material stuff. Mm. Um, absolutely, there's lots of essentials um, and you know, we can find them everywhere, right down from the muslins to the baby grows to, you know, uh, I don't know, yeah, the, the nursing bras, the, the um, breast pads. Oh, God, there's so many. But I think that I found I'd become so bogged down with all the, the what to get. But ultimately, the only thing that, that mattered the most was if baby is crying, baby needed to be put to the breast. Um, if baby was, you know, I don't know, just just having those fourth trimester things, you know, where the baby just won't stop crying and what, they just need to be held and cuddled and carried by mum. And I think that, that that's what I would say is just don't overcomplicate the process. Um, take the bare essentials that you require, but never underestimate that you are what your baby needs the most. Oh, I adore that. It's so true. Um, it's just, it's, it's so relevant. I'm thinking of my whole life right now and how everything <laughs> has transpired in the last few months. Um, and I guess one thing that helped me as well, um, not on a material level, was having pre-cooked food yes. because you just can't. You can't get in, in the kitchen. I mean, I managed to do the odd bit of baking, which was actually weird because when the baby would go to sleep, I was like, right, what's going to make me happy? I, I love baking. That's what mm. I do. But I needed healthy, balanced meals. I needed my chilies yeah. and bolognese and things or we're ready in the freezer so freezer meals I think are very useful as well for people absolutely I would definitely yeah sorry no no I was just literally going to say because our body I mean I couldn't walk without pain for pretty much the whole of the fourth trimester I had very bad pelvic girdle before and walking I still had aches you know when you bend over your back can hurt from breastfeeding can't it there's lots of physical changes that can also impact how you run your household Definitely. And I think we don't give it enough airtime talking about all these changes because we see the people getting up and ready to do workouts post-pregnancy and ready to get their pre-pregnancy body back. Mm. But actually, all these things that you mentioned, I mean, even the hormones that affect all our joints, and we become quite lax in our joints and mobility during pregnancy. And this requires time but also it requires everything that we put in. We are essentially what we put into our bodies. Um, and 
alongside the nap when your baby naps I absolutely agree with you all the meal prepping and planning for I'd say as as far in advance as you possibly can with healthy meals healthy snacks because chances are and this is normal we do need to be kind to ourselves when you are breastfeeding in the middle of the night you are starving so don't deny yourself those treats but if Mm. you do have lots of healthy little things stored away and healthy meals frozen it means that you're not having to stress during your present moments with the baby of what will I eat tonight? Let's just get a takeaway. Um, you've got everything to hand. So I would definitely say plan ahead, organize ahead. Um, and also the other thing is hydration as mums yes. particularly, I get lots of mums during my postnatal checks that complain of feeling really sluggish having headaches, feeling tired all the time. And nine times out of 10, when I ask them about their fluid intake, and it's hugely compromised because we're so busy trying to do everything else that you forget the most essential thing, which is hydrating yourself. Oh, easily. Water. I I forget to drink all the time, but it does make such a difference to your mood. I'm so glad you brought that up because (laughs) people just think, oh, you just need water to survive. No, water also impacts how you feel. And when you're breastfeeding as well, I mean, if you think about the, the milk that's being produced and that's enough to hydrate a baby, babies don't need water. They, they can just, if they're exclusively breastfed that they are just getting breast milk so and when Poonam and I discuss this just for anybody listening we don't want to sound like we're whinging or moaning or just talking about negative things for the sake of it we genuinely believe there is a lack of people having these honest discussions and motherhood is incredible we, we love our children of course but Absolutely. you're allowed aren't you to have a, a bit of a chat about this kind of thing I think it's just not spoken about enough and it feeds into again what society deems motherhood should look like and you know I predominantly do the six-week postnatal checks and I love to actually see my mums from the moment they tell me that they are pregnant I like to see them throughout their pregnancy so I'll bring them in at 20 weeks I'll bring them in at 28 weeks because I want to know what mum is like before she has a baby because and I love the word matrescence that describes that transition that we go Mm -hmm. through because we are not the same person after we have a baby that we were pre-baby. And what tends to happen is people see this exhausted, always mess of a mother um, the first three months after having a baby and they just assume, gosh, are you just not coping? Well, come on, get your act together. And actually we've gone through such a shift. You're suddenly responsible for an entire human being. Um, And sometimes if you've got other kids, you're trying to adjust a new family dynamic, a whole new set of routines, um, trying to understand another person and how they work. It's, It's really stressful. It's really exhausting. And we need to be able to talk about how we feel about that. It doesn't make you less of a mother. We shouldn't be judging each other on that. If anything, we should be supporting and empowering one another and normalizing what real motherhood looks like. Exactly. Um, it's, yeah. yeah, it's not a movie. It is absolutely not. And, you know, I reflect, I mean, my baby's now, um, I think we're just, just behind you, Rhiannon, but, mm. you know, I'm five months now and I look at her and I just think, God, you're just so wonderful and perfect and I would do everything to have you again. But those few months um, just after having her, you know, there's been some really, really dark days where all I've done is cry. I felt so helpless. I felt vulnerable. Uh, I've had to apologize to my friends for wanting to cry to them on the Mm. phone. And they were saying, don't be so silly. Like, you know, this is normal. But we do it to ourselves because we feel that we should be stronger than we need to be. And actually, we need to just sometimes accept this is motherhood. It is raw. 
It is beautiful. Um, it comes with lots of highs, but it comes with many, many lows. And that's part of the journey. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Oh, wonderful. And for you to say that being a doctor as well, I'm sure this is the problem with the judgment thing though. People will assume, oh, you're a doctor, you will have your you know, I'm not going to swear together, you'll have everything in life sorted out. And I get exactly the same thing. And, and when I do try to show on social media, a little bit of rawness, like you said, or this is reality, a lot of the negatives you can receive for sharing that sort of stuff, like, oh, you look exhausted or tired, or you look like you've got a problem, are you feeling well? Like you said, people assume that you should still be looking this image of perfection. But I would say that past the first 40 days, I, actually, I think we're a bit behind you because Zachary's mm. only four and a half months. So yeah, we're two weeks mm. behind you. And I would actually say that the fourth trimester for me feels like it's still happening now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's not gone anywhere. It's still hard. And judgment is rife around pregnancy and motherhood. When it comes to feeding your child, I mean, that is, that's another ball game, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I wasn't taught about this fourth trimester thing at medical school. So when I went through my own kind of issue with my, my son the first time, I suffered from really severe birth trauma. I ended up in intensive care on a ventilator for a week you know with lots of complications afterwards and I remember sitting with um you know my GP at the time and really wanting them to acknowledge just what had happened and I was in the depths of my postnatal depression which I was in denial of I was in denial because I was worried about judgment from other people mm. I thought because I'm a doctor it can't happen to me completely disregarding absolutely everything that I had just gone through to get my child who also had lots of issues with severe reflux yeah and it's the first time I came across the term the fourth trimester and people at that time seven years ago there wasn't really much chat about this this phase and the more I read about it I was like god this is normal so many people are going through this yet we are not speaking about it and actually it's why women suffer in silence a lot because they feel that they need to particularly on social media put up these really happy glowy new mum pictures which don't really depict the reality and when I'm sitting doing my clinics and I look out at the waiting room it's always really an interesting picture you see all the mums and they all look like they've got their, you know, we won't say the sweary words, but together. Yeah. <laughs> and then they sit down and I ask the mum, I'm like, you know, how are you? Like, I want to know how you are. And I kid you not, nine times out of 10, mums burst into tears mm. and 
it's and all I have to say is it's okay like all I want to do is I'm like you need a big hug you need to appreciate what you've just gone through and this is normal to be feeling this way and they will say well you know nobody else gets this and I remember feeling like that when I went to my postnatal classes and I would compare myself to other mums and I would think oh they seem like they've just got it together and I I I've just about made it here on time and I just wanted mums to be able to say actually it's been a total nightmare getting here and last night was awful and my baby doesn't sleep either Mm. um but we don't tend to do that and I think a lot of these books as well these textbooks that we read that give you the perfect contented baby you know in the depths of my um postnatal depression and I laugh about it now but I remember reading this book and it's um I'm sure people will figure out what it is but it literally had 7 a.m do this 7 30 do this 9 p.m do this and I remember walking around and my mum just saying to me you know your baby doesn't come with a manual because I was putting so much pressure on my baby saying why is he not conforming to this ideal why is our situation not conforming to the way that this perfect contented baby should should look and feel like and I remember burning physically burning that book in my garden and it was the most cathartic thing I'd ever done and the moment I let go of what everyone was telling me my baby and I should be doing and started reading my baby that's when the magic happened that's when we properly connected and I accepted this is our reality this is how we're going to do it and if anyone tells me differently they can go elsewhere no exactly you're quite right you can't it's not a book it's not a manual it never goes quite to plan and you mentioned quite a few of the things I'm sure many many people listening new mums will relate to you mentioned babies can have reflux they don't sleep down to whatever the book says they should some unicorn babies will sleep through very early on and then you start to compare your baby I've had all of it I thought other babies were bigger than mine and my baby wasn't putting on enough weight and I panicked that I wasn't feeding him well enough and it was my breast milk so it was my problem Mm. Mm. I thought he had an allergy in week four because he had this rash everywhere then he had a tongue tie it's like it's never ending and you you just can't write this stuff down because every baby is so unique and they all work out it all works out to be okay in the end absolutely absolutely I mean those first 12 weeks is everything that we've just described I mean that first trimester to any parent that's listening you know like the 60 up to 60 percent of babies will have reflux that is very normal and they grow out of it and I think sometimes just hearing that helps and as a mother of a baby that had severe reflux um I could never see the end. When people would say there is light, I promise you, they grow out of it. I was like, no, this will never happen. And weaning was a bit of a disaster for us. And I was like, oh God, he'll have feeding issues for the rest of his life. And at seven, you know, nobody would be able to tell, was he breastfed? Was he bottle fed? Did he have feeding issues when he was younger? Did he have weight issues when he was younger? They all completely, you know, figure themselves out in, in the long term. But in those first sort of three, four months, it is just about making sure that you're not comparing yourself with others and really muting accounts or people Mm. that are just telling you things that aren't relevant to your reality. And I think that if somebody is making you feel bad in any way about your situation, then unfollow them or quieten that down. And, you know, the only thing that we need to hear is positivity in those first few weeks. And if, if there is a cause for concern, your health visitor will tell you about it, which will result in an appointment with your GP Mm. and let the medics tell you what's what's normal and what's not normal but definitely don't be taking anecdotal pieces of advice from absolutely every other person your baby is unique 
Yeah. And if you've got a gut instinct about something, that's what yes. really helped me is follow it through because that gut instinct, go and get it checked out by the medical professional because gosh, countless times I wouldn't have had my tongue tie picked up on if I hadn't have had that gut instinct that something wasn't quite right because yeah. there's no one checking in COVID. But you you are the best person as a mum. And when, if we yes. go back to the judgment thing, the problem is when you, we will never win because somebody will always, of course, have an opinion about what you do. And that that's the really sad part. But I just urge anybody listening, if you don't agree with what somebody's doing, there's no need to physically say it to someone or write it down just keep it to yourself and if you have something positive and encouraging then share it and that would be a much kinder way I think for the world to um the world to go around but anyway life changes dramatically we know this and (laughs) friendships also change don't they when you become a mum absolutely you really discover um who your people are <laughs> yes you do who you, who your vibe what is it your vibe attracts your tribe well yeah, yeah you've got your tribe <laughs> absolutely and you really do and I think that um again I come back to this it's not a it's not a weakness this is actually the reality is that motherhood brings with it many vulnerabilities and what we um, as mums need to do for one another what we um, who are supporting other mothers whether we have kids of our own or not is that we need to exercise compassion and kindness and check in with them but it is interesting that when you start um, looking at your own circles around you and you think you really don't get me you You really don't get this situation and I really didn't need you to say that to me and um, and yeah and sometimes actually surprising friendships uh, emerge where you think mm. that was that was really kind of you to reach out to me and to offer me that wisdom um which I think that we need to certainly be spreading a lot more of rather than the criticisms oh completely and, I, and it's not and it's, it's bound to change because a lot of the time it's very rare that until you've had a baby friends will and of course it's not their fault I I couldn't understand fully with my friends that had children how can you understand because until you go through it, it's just something else. And it's very hard to describe, but people grow at different times and they come together, like you said, or they move away. But that supportive environment is crucial. Now, I do have questions from our Mm -hmm. listeners for you today. Mm -hmm. Um, Carla has said one, which I really wanted to bring up because I think it is very relevant, actually. Um, Carla has said, I'm hesitant about getting my baby vaccinated. Is it just safer to keep them away from strangers? No, vaccines are so important. And I think if anything, if ever anyone had any concerns about vaccines now in times particularly of COVID, where we are desperate to find the cure and the vaccination to try and, you know, get on top of this horrible virus, never has a time been more important than to to get the message across that vaccines save lives. We are seeing re-emergences of infectious diseases that we had nipped in the bud, but due to anti-vaxxers, we're seeing an emergence of them, which is costing lives of young children. So, Absolutely. Vaccination is the most important thing that you can do. Um, You cannot keep your children away from people forever. um, And that's not good for them either. So give them the best start to life. The program is there to help children, not to um, harm them. No, you're you're so you're so right to say that because we had a podcast episode with Dr. David Robert Grimes on vaccinations and there have been a resurgence of things and it is so important we protect our children. They're hard though, the vaccinations. I mean, gosh, it's not nice seeing your baby, of course, go through that, but you know you're saving them in the long run. Oh, absolutely. Is, As yeah. a doctor, I give them you know, I give vaccinations all the time, but then 
taking my little baby, I remember talking about this on my Instagram, you know, the amount of anxiety, because you don't want to hurt your baby in any way at all. But, you know, longer term, you know, that if you do not vaccinate your children, you are potentially putting them in harm's way. Um, and there's, 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 it's just not the right thing to do. So yeah. yes, it's not easy, but it's the right thing to do. Exactly. Um, Dawn has said, oh, would you say that having an epidural right away is a good idea? Because I'm so scared of the pain of birth. Birth is so painful, but again, everyone's got different pain thresholds. <laughs> no lying, it is painful. Like, it is. Um, I want to use lots of sweary words to describe yeah. just how painful birth is, um, but everyone has a different pain threshold. So, you know, I would say that be gentle on your birth plan. I think sometimes people go very gung-ho and make it very rigid, and when things don't go accordingly, it's almost like coming to terms with things. Um, in the aftermath of why did that go wrong but I'd say that just go with the flow that's what I would say is go with the flow if you find that with the kind of pain measure pain um, uh, medications that are being administered to you are not enough and you require extra support and help then absolutely just speak up and get it just do what you need to do to get through that that brutal phase of birth and um, there's no shame is there in no. opting for it because and, I hear a lot of women you know speaking again online about this sort of thing and there's nothing wrong with accepting pain relief absolutely I think last year as well there was um sort of stuff in the in the media about you know talking about pain relief and almost shaming women that were requiring things like epidurals and I think that again it's just a representation of the patriarchal you know influences in our world which kind of think that women should just go in and have birth because that's what they're designed to do but actually it's a very complex complex process and everyone is different um and you know whilst it's great for the minority that managed to just push their babies out uh, this isn't the case for absolutely everyone mm. so if you do require pain relief absolutely go for it do what you need to do um and be proud of the fact that you have just given birth that's what matters exactly exactly and macy has said um oh and again this is interesting for us um Poonam, if you had the choice would you just be a stay-at-home mum or carry on working so for me carry on working is 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 part of who I am um I think it's again I've had to homeschool these past few months and I found a, a, an immense amount of love and respect even more so for mums that do stay at home and that even homeschool um I guess for me my work is a huge part of identifying who I am so whilst motherhood absolutely gives me so much purpose my job gives me just as much purpose so uh, I think that for me I love teaching my kids about the importance of 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 work and I hope that that they kind of see that their mum tries their best to give them everything that they need oh that's lovely that's really lovely um Pippa has said I'm a new mum my body has completely changed. I don't feel comfortable anymore and I'm exhausted. Do you have any top tips to survive another day? Oh, I feel you. I hear you. And I think that as, as somebody who's going through this just now, I think it's taking it one day at a time and celebrating the small wins and ensuring that there is something every day that you do just for you that gives you five minutes of checking in and feeling good and whether that means just enjoying that little bit of chocolate or I don't know putting on some makeup and um, something that just gives you that flicker of this is who you are because it does get better but this time is tough and it's all about practicing some self-love and self-care 
Completely. And just a little note on, on the body image. Everyone has a different size and shape, yeah. different weight gain in pregnancy. It, it takes nine months to grow a baby. Let's just say it can take a very long time afterwards for your body to go. It's not going to happen yeah. like you, you see it. Well, you used to see it in the magazines. You see online for everybody, you know, just be kind is definitely a good one. Keris um, has said, oh, Keris, it's a gorgeous name. We don't get that a lot. Um, I've always been an easygoing person. Oh, but since becoming a mum, I can't shake the feeling of anxiety. What can I do? Yeah, this is a very, very common question and a common feeling and we all feel it. And it's a sign actually that we love our babies a lot. Um, but it's all about getting on top of that anxiety. It's normal just to have little peaks throughout the day where you just get little bursts of overwhelm and, you know, just taking five minutes out, whether it's just kind of going into the bathroom for a little bit of space and just doing some deep breathing exercises, that sometimes can be enough. However, if you feel that that anxiety is overwhelming you, it's the predominant feeling through all day then I think it's time to maybe speak to your health visitor about it or perhaps speak to your GP and see if there's any other strategies that we can help you with yeah yeah well done um so Pedum, this does lead us on to our fact or fiction round <laughs> are you ready for this one <laughs> <laughs> okay here we go it doesn't matter if we're sleep deprived we can do this okay (laughs) mothering is intuitive and comes naturally mothering is intuitive and comes naturally fact (laughs) daily stresses reduce as a mother no definitely that was a quick no you immediately (laughs) have a bond with your baby no every mum can and should breastfeed no Maternal instinct will kick in as soon as you become a mum. No. Yeah, it's interesting, that one. Um, It's ungrateful to miss pre-children life. No. You can get your pre-baby body back quickly and easily. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lack of confidence can negatively impact your baby. No. That's good to know. Um, You won't enjoy every moment. Yes. Oh. Asking for help is a sign of weakness. No. That was very fast. I'm actually very <laughs> impressed with that. Because <laughs> it's so hard for health professionals doing anything like this. Because you're probably thinking in your head, well, maybe, but no, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. Um, that does nearly wrap up the episode. It's such a shame because I feel on these particular types of episodes, I- I'm aware of our time, but... I feel there's so much more that needs to be covered. We could have gone right in more on body image, um, had a discussion around that as well, the feeding a bit more, that the baby worry, everything. But mm. we're going to finish with a food for thought as always. And mine today would be that I'm, I mean, I'm a very new mum. Um, and having a baby, I think particularly in lockdown, COVID, is just, it's been a complete roller coaster. It, Definitely. I mean, you can't plan for having a baby. And one thing I'd like to say to everybody listening, if you're going to be a first time mum, is that no matter how hard you plan, because I'm a creature of habit, I plan, I love a schedule, I used to run around like a crazy thing. You kind of just have to let it go. You you just got to somehow go with the flow, be prepared, have your support network. But in COVID for me, having nobody around me, and not even my husband could meet my baby for five days when he was born. It's you're by yourself, but you have to go with it and feel 
gratitude works a lot. So I, I do daily gratitude um, journaling before I go to bed and I try and think of the positive things because sometimes those lows can be all consuming when you're a new mom. Everybody gets them and people do rarely talk about it. But I promise you, no matter how strong and resilient people like myself may appear online or as a businesswoman, I suffer too. And it's okay to say that because we still love our babies. If you could leave our listeners the take home message today, one food for thought, what would that be? Oh, that is beautiful, Rhiannon. And I actually resonate with all of what you say there. I think that just really being kind to new mums, whether it's their first baby, whether it's their fifth baby, each baby brings with it a a unique experience. And mums, especially in the first few months um, after giving birth, do require a lot of TLC. And I think that if anyone knows anyone that's recently had a baby the kindest thing you can do is yes you know by all means take across presents and all that but the, the kindest thing you can do for a mum is to check in on her and send her that message and tell her that you are thinking of her and that you are there if or when she needs you because behind the scenes have just having seen thousands of of mums in my job and having been through it myself behind closed doors there's lots of dark moments for mums where we feel helpless, where we are exhausted beyond belief, where we don't know what we're doing. And do you know what? With Even having had a second baby, I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time. They don't come with a script. They don't come with a manual. We are trying our absolute damn best every single day to survive some of the times. And though we love our babies, I just think mums, mums need nurturing too. Oh, that's so true. They do. We do. Um, Thank you so much for not only supporting me, but everybody on your social channels. Where, Where can our listeners go to hear more about you? Oh, um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Dr. Poonam Christian. Thank you for coming on Food for Thought and being so wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to what is the last episode of Series 7. I would like to share such a huge thank you to everybody who's listened, the wonderful guests that I've had on. And if you enjoyed this, please do leave a review so that we can reach those high highs in the charts. And hopefully the ultimate aim is to help more and more people. For more information about me, my clinic, nutrition, the books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit nutrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 